0: Hi, I'm Dr. Lynn Wagner, and welcome to It Takes a Village. One of the biggest things I learned moving from a traditional medical practice to a more alternative medical practice is that it takes a tribe to keep us healthy. I have had so many individuals in the health and wellness industry influence both my personal health, the health of my patients and family, and my business. It Takes a Village is a podcast dedicated to these people. Join me as I interview alternative healers, business owners, and community members who make our world a happier, healthier, and more sustainable place to live. Hello.
1: Hello. How are you? Awesome. <laughs> I am awesome.
0: I am awesome too because I am with you. I always have a really good time with you. Thank you. Um, so, for those of you who are listening to this podcast, it takes a village. I have my presence, Jill Lemke, who is a very special person in my life. I met her, I don't know how long ago it was,
1: maybe 10, eight to 10 yeah, years ago. A while ago. Yeah, it's been and a long time.
0: She um, I, I know her through multiple different avenues, but I would say the most profound experiences I've had with her have been when she's done some healing on me. Mm. And so as this podcast series is called It Takes a Village, and I'm talking to various types of healers and business owners in the wellness industry, Jill definitely fits that role. So, thank you. I'm um, honored. I want to share everything we can about you, what you do, um, and just give people an idea. You know, I, I tell people in this podcast series, I'm trying to give people who are in Western medicine idea of what's available outside of the box a little bit if mm-hmm. they're on any type of a healing journey. So, great. First of all, tell us what it is that you do.
1: I am a, I'm a shamanic healer. So, in in a traditional sense, I look at energy on the body. And I try to bring healing to the body with energy. Shamanic healers are, it's old, old medicine. So if you think about it, like indigenous tribes had a seer or a healer, or kind of a combination of those two things, that's what I do.
0: And how long have you been doing this type of healing?
1: Hmm. Formally? Um, probably eight years. And what, nine years. What so was
0: your year? journey like into becoming this type of a healer?
1: Oh gosh. So
0: first of all, how did you first start to know that you wanted to do this?
1: Right. Um, well, it's it really started. It really started when my father passed away when I was 33. So I'm going to be 45 this year. Gives you an idea of just how long you know sort of had that catalyst, and then how that took me into a really interesting healing journey for myself. Mm-hmm. So I think anyone that has that does this work really has come from their own trauma or tragedy, and then healed, and then realize they have a gift or an ability to see that same trauma in others, so they can relate to the energy, yep. and then find themselves going into the going into the healing world.
0: Yeah, and that's it's that's super fascinating because it's something that I see um, in myself as well. I had to go through everything myself before I decided to do integrative medicine.
1: Oh same exact right. same story and I, think, right.
0: I feel like a lot of healers do that same thing where they experience it first and they're like why can't I help everyone else experience this the way I did because it worked for me so mm-hmm. that's awesome mm-hmm. so you you decided so you were using this type of healing yourself like going to see shamanic practitioners on your own or
1: well not really so my my, uh, I would say my natural ability is as an intuitive or clairvoyant. Mm-hmm. And explain,
0: that's... Explain what that is because a lot of people won't know.
1: Okay. So a clairvoyant is someone that has clear sight, which means that I can see energy. I don't just feel it or experience it like we would in the physical form.
0: That's why I get so nervous when I'm with you because I'm like, she can see it. She can see everything about me. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> No, I remember. I, <laughs> but that's not what you're talking about, right? It's not like you look at me and see, like you can see me with my clothes off or something like that. No, <laughs>
1: no, it's not like that. It, it's, um, I would say, so when my father passed away, my clairvoyant ability really surfaced and, and had been there my whole life. I had experiences my whole life, but it really, it really. It really catapulted me into I, to not being able to ignore it anymore. The energy around people was so strong. If I was talking to you, it would be like I could just see everything because every, I was I was shifted in from a space of not seeing to seeing overnight. Most people that seek out that ability sort of have a gradual means of getting there. Yours was not gradual. No, it's like putting me right in the shark tank with nothing and it's like figured out sink or swim. Painful. Very painful. But I would say that's probably the best way that I, I personally learn. Right. So as I went, as I, as I sort of found my way on that journey, I realized a couple of really, really important things. One energy is everywhere and in everything. And so interpreting that really is unique to the individual. So you'll see a lot of people that do very similar things that I do, but they have they have sort of a subset of overall energy healing where mm-hmm. they specialize in. Yeah. Because their own personal, remember we talked about like how I've experienced certain things, and so I can relate to it. Mm -hmm. Well, I just think of it like energy. So I've assimilated that energetic experience into my body, and so it makes it easier for me to see the same energy in others. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at different healers, they may not broadcast what what they've experienced, but they will talk about what their specialty is, Mm -hmm. and it's because of that sort of energetic right? Signature within themselves, and
0: I think I think so. So that's a clairvoyant piece of it, and mm-hmm. by intuitive. You mean mm-hmm. all knowing or intuitive? Kind of yeah.
1: It, so they we, it. they talk about the clairs. So clairvoyance is clear sight. Mm-hmm. Um, clear cognizance is clear knowing, and so a lot of people will say intuition is is basically clear cognizance. You just know in your gut, like, yeah. oh, I just know. That's I what feel it like is. a
0: lot of people have that. Oh yeah. But is that probably the most common one yep. that people have? Yep. Yep. Okay.
1: Yeah. And the energy that relates to that in the body would be in the throat, third eye and the solar plexus of the body. So the stomach, the throat and the brow center of the brow.
0: Okay. Um, And I think another thing that I think listeners need to know about or probably want to know about is, you know, I talk a lot about energy in my podcast. I don't go into great detail about it, but I think Mm -hmm. it's probably one of the most powerful things to know about in healing. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, And I actually, I was talking with another physician this morning and she said, um, she said something about how, how do you take care of your patients? And I said, you know, I walk in the room and I can see their energy. Yeah. I can see where they're at on the energetic scale. Yeah. And then everything I'm doing with them is I'm trying to help them move up the scale, right? What?
1: Get to balance.
0: Get into balance. Right. Right. So, like, mm-hmm. how do you, and remove the blocks that are keeping you from being higher on that scale? Correct. So, I would, you probably yep. are doing
1: very exact, much the same exact thing. same thing. Everything is an energetic exchange. Mm-hmm. When you're having a conversation with someone, it's an energetic exchange. The food you put in your body mm-hmm. and how it metabolizes is an energetic exchange. The thoughts you have, the thoughts you have, right. all of it is an energetic exchange. So, where we tend to go out of balance is when that energy either sits within us, isn't processed effectively. So, if we think a lot of people that I see um, are dealing with grief. Yes. So they come to me for various reasons, whether I'm working as a clairvoyant and a medium to connect with their loved ones, Mm -hmm. and so it's helping them to process that grief, or they're on my table and we're doing a shamanic healing Mm -hmm. and it's helping them process that grief. Mm -hmm. But it's the energy that hasn't been released. So... And a lot of people say, well, let go or move on. And that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about assimilating it into your, into your body and bringing that experience in and allowing it to flow through instead of repressing or sort of boxing it up and pushing it aside.
0: Yeah. I think flow is the best word. There's so many different analogies you can use. You know, like if you're, if you're on a kayak and you're going down a river, you're not going to stick your paddle down and make yourself stop and let the current go by, you're going to flow with it, right? Right. Right. There's so many different, if you're a wave in the ocean, you're going to flow with the ocean. Like, but so many of us take these experiences and we just like hold them tight and we block it. And that's when I think it creates so much disease and suffering.
1: Oh yeah. And then uh, in addition to that, people identify themselves with that suffering piece, and it becomes, because it becomes part of their identity. And if you think about just the way our society is and the negativity bias mm-hmm. that we have just humanly, part part of us as humans, it we, we thrive on those stories. So you look at the news and then someone went through a tragedy and now they're, we want to talk about your tragedy and it, and they can't, they can't assimilate that tragedy as part of their whole story. It just becomes their story. That's the only... That's the only bit about them, and that's not truth. That's and it doesn't bring them to a place of forgiveness or acceptance or or any of that. Mm-hmm. It's just be, that's who they are. We know you because of your tragedy. Right,
0: right. So you, as you're going through this, and you develop this new skill set. That mm-hmm. actually, probably not a new skill set. It's just an awareness of a skill set that you already had. Right. True. Yeah. Um, what was your next step? So how did you then go on to do training, or what did you do next so that you could help others using the skill set?
1: Um, well, so after my father passed away and I spent probably two to three years trying to navigate communicating with the deceased and, and also my, my psychic ability. So the difference between the two is the interpretation of energy is different reading someone's energy that's in front of you is different than reading the energy of something or someone that doesn't have a body anymore. So when I was beginning to work through that, I was understanding that significant healing comes with communicating messages from people's loved ones. They're able to process their grief. They're able to understand their mortality a little bit better or solidify what their belief system is around mortality or immortality. And so from there, I discovered um, energy work or Reiki. And I was like, this is amazing to be able to channel energy through our bodies, just like a straw, similar to what I do in channeling messages from the beyond Mm -hmm. energy that comes in. Mm -hmm. And so um, I started working with that. And that's really where I think... You know, we people that work in my world, we talk about spirit or great spirit. I think that's where spirits was like, oh, great. Okay, good. You stepping in because we need you to do other things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's time to, it's time to sidestep because we we need to utilize those skills a little bit deeper. And I was doing, I will never forget the day. I was actually on this street. I was working in a house because when I was doing um, mediumship work, I was also connecting to what people would call ghosts spirits that haven't, I mean, in quotes crossed Mm -hmm. and really understanding. So my curiosity in this was like, what is the difference? And I want to, I want to understand. So I was going to a lot of properties and homes where people were having disturbances and I would connect with whatever was there. And it was through that work that I started my shamanic calling when I had an animal come in and, and come and then basically stay with me for years, still with me now. But, um, do you want me to tell you the yeah, story? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so of I course. was,
0: <laughs> I don't know. I just, yeah. I want to make sure that like yeah, any facial expressions I'm making are just okay. <laughs> in, in, being inquisitive.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I was working in a property and they had, they had a lot of things happening. And so I, at, I was as I was done and wrapping up. I said, "Well, I'm just going to take a few minutes. I'm just going to meditate and connect a little bit deeper, just to make sure there isn't anything that I'm overlooking. Because when I would sit on when I would go to a property, I would be like I am right now. I would connect and I would walk around, and um, I would see as I as I normally do. When I when I meditate, it's just a, it's taking me to a deeper place. And so what happens when I'm meditating is that I get to see everything." whether it's physical or non-physical. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, everything is present, even though it's kind of layered. It's like, if I'm seeing multiple panes of glass lined up together, smack together, so I'm looking through those multiple layers to see everything. Mm-hmm. So when I went into that meditative state at this property, this huge bird started flying over and around me. Now this is in spirit. This isn't a physical, in real life animal. Oh, that was weird. And he circling above me, I said, he, because it's very masculine energy, circling above me and lands in front of me. And at this point I was meditating, I was facing West and he looked at me and he said, and honestly, this is probably one of the very few times he's actually even spoken to me. He said, you need to turn and face the East and you need to see what is hidden. Oh my gosh. And so I was like, what the, and it was this huge golden eagle is what he was. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I I was okay. And I came out of my meditative state. I turned my body and I faced the East. I went back into this meditative state. And then he took me to show me something in the trees on the other side of the river. And I left my client (laughs) Who's still a client today? I'm surprised you don't think I'm totally nuts. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, um, I just had some really interesting things. <laughs> so I I'm I'm gonna wrap up and then and I'm gonna go. And I'm in the car. And this after I did that, I turned to the east and I faced the river. He hopped up on my right shoulder and he never left. So it was. I asked all sorts of people like, um, Hey, do you see this thing so, on my shoulder? <laughs> yeah. Do you see this bird? Like, what is this? And what does this mean? And people were like, I have no idea what that means, Jill. I'm like, really? Cause it's kind of like really loud and squawks at people. So it was really interesting because he came in as one of my first I mean, his shamanic teachers, right. um, which, you know, you look back on your journey and you're like, of course, this animal came in. Of course, this is important. He's actually a power animal that helps work in healing sessions. Mm-hmm. And when he shows up, he's basically telling me, Hey, you're not seeing something that you need to see or you need to make it clear for the client or the person you're working on. But yeah, he um, he would stand, he'd perch on my shoulder and he was clear as day to me, like stood almost two feet tall, this huge bird, and he would screech at people. Like, <laughs> But it created this physical reaction for me. So I always felt like I looked like a crazy person because he would screech when, I, when someone would come into my energy field, which is about two feet around me. Mm-hmm. And I would just slowly kind of step away and keep stepping away. She just was like, this person isn't good for you.
0: Is he still there today?
1: Oh yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes.
0: So so you're you're doing these readings in people's homes and then Mm -hmm. you're doing healing sessions on people one on one as well
1: right right so then i yeah so then i took on reiki okay. and then i started seeing and that's when and i was still doing psychopomp work which is what it called when you transition a spirit from sort of the earthbound to i'm going to say the light mm-hmm. wherever they go yep. And um, that's the work that I was doing in people's homes. That's when Eagle came in. And at the same time, I was going through learning how to do Reiki. So I was doing, going through my, you know, level one, level two and master sort of apprenticeship into um, Reiki, which is the Japanese art of healing. And that's when I started seeing animals on people and around and... And you still do? I still do. Yeah.
0: Are those their spirit animals?
1: Uh, Yeah. So there's a couple different types of animals that you see on people. You'll see spirit animal, which is sort of like medicine, Mm -hmm. energetic medicine, and then power animals, which are significant. You usually see those around healers. And there are people that call on those animals to, to work with others in their healing sessions and to teach them. So think of it like sort of like a guide. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and then you also started, so I had experienced one of uh, several of your things. I had I experienced Mm -hmm. the readings with you and I'd experienced shamanic healing with you. Mm -hmm. And the difference was with the readings, I would sit in a chair and we'd be in the room together and you would talk. And then the shamanic healing, I'd more like lay on a massage table and you would do different things. (laughs) Which I can't really describe. But nothing like physical on me, but you'd have candles and crystals and all that kind of stuff. What's Mm -hmm. the difference between those two types of healing practices?
1: The reading to a shamanic yeah. healing? Yeah. Um, well, reading is me basically just channeling messages from your loved ones.
0: Deceased loved ones. Correct. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then, you know, reading it, other types of readings, psychic readings would be reading your personal energy. Okay. So things that are coming up on your, on your energy. Yeah. The and, and I would say a, t- a step further, you know, learning how to do Reiki. Reiki is is much different than shamanic healing as well, even though it might look on the surface similar, because uh-huh. Reiki is hands-on healing where you're channeling light and or energy into the body and moving energy in the body through the meridians or the the like lines of light through mm-hmm. the body. Yeah. Shamanic healing is where we're looking at the body and looking for uh, physical and emotional imbalance and then looking to um looking to your guidance system uh your soul and bringing that healing back um to the body so the sessions that I do are sort of two part they're hands on where I'm looking at a couple layers of you I'm looking at your physical Um, and I'm looking at emotional and I'm looking at your auric field or the energy that's around you. And we can all sort of feel that. And the way I tell people to feel that is if you're standing somewhere like a grocery store Mm -hmm. and you don't hear someone coming up behind you, but all of a sudden you can feel and they're about mm, two to three feet away and you turn because you can feel someone standing there because there's a disturbance in your energy field. That's your auric field.
0: And I think that's where people who are skeptical can can actually connect and see the reality of it because, mm-hmm. and, and me as a science person, a science scientist, I guess I could call them it's so weird saying that, but I am a scientist. You are. <laughs> it yeah. is what it is. Um, you can actually look at quantum physics and you can look at things from an energetic perspective and see some science behind it. Mm-hmm. That's That's what I think is so cool that when I started delving into more of the energetic medical practices that I saw that it wasn't just someone being like a voodoo weirdo making shit up. It was right. like this, there's actually some basis to this. Right. Um, and that's what I think is so absolutely fascinating.
1: Well, heart math is a good one. Yes. They've done a lot of science around yes. the energy in the heart and how your heart can feel my yes. heart because of the energy that it's, it's oh my gosh. putting out.
0: Right. And that, I think that's, I love that because I actually I check in with my heart all the time where I'm like, is it open or is it closed? Because mm-hmm. you can just tell you're either going to be closed. I mean, it's not it's not all or nothing, but there's, I think, mm-hmm. different levels of how open and how closed it is. Oh, sure. So you don't always want to be as open as you are, like in an intimate relationship with your spouse or your loved one. Right.
1: But you don't want to go walking around like that. Right.
0: <laughs> but you also but you can also feel it when it's just like a vice grip, like just completely walled off and closed. And that never feels good either. Mm-hmm. Um so You're I'm, not allowing flow then, right? right Back right, to the, right. where we started, yeah. yeah. And so that's where, I like, just again, as a scientist, learning all this stuff and seeing the science behind it has been just so fascinating. And then, and then, obviously, experiencing it firsthand. Because I mean, you you somewhat know my story, and people who know me know my story. But you know, I was a medical doctor, very much black and white medicine, physiology, anatomy, drugs, and then experienced loss, grief and blocked energy flow. And then by seeing practitioners who could help me open it, mm-hmm. I, I was like, just blown away. I was like, I can't do that kind of medicine anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I need to do a different kind of medicine. I don't know what it's gonna look like, but it's gotta be different, so.
1: Holistic, cause you yeah. can't just treat what happens in the medical field and it's nothing against the medical field. No, right. Cause there's there's purpose and place for, for sure. everyone, yep. um, is that we're treating symptoms. And so when they come to do, to see me, we're treating root cause. Right. I want to get to the, to the root of what's causing the physical issues that are happening in your body. Yes. I had an amazing client on Saturday where it was like ping, 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 ping. So on Saturday, first I want to say male energy is very different than female Uh energy and And I I have some thoughts and ideas around why Uh after seeing primarily female clients. And then every once in a while, a male client will come in. I'm like, wow, I wish every client was this open. Yes. But women have a tendency of putting up lots of barriers to their energy. And if you think about the way women walk in the world just on a daily basis from their front door to their car, you know, if you're leaving a bar at night, the way you guard and protect yourself, you're not just thinking about how I'm physically, but your energy is also protected. And even though it's subconscious, it's still happening. So when women come in to see me... It's, we sit in the chair for a little bit and we have a conversation. Yeah. And I, I, I just, just to get them to relax with me a little bit and then I'll put them on the massage table and then we start looking at their energy. Now, I don't ask about people's ailments when they come in. Right. It's not. I don't want to know any of that. And to be honest, when people talk about it, they're telling me about their symptoms anyway. Right. And I'm not a doctor. I don't want to look. I don't like I care about your symptoms, but I really care about like, where is it? Where does it start Mm -hmm. in the body? Where is it blocked? Where is it blocked? So I had a male client come in on Saturday and he um, he was recommended by his spouse and he was like i'm you know i've i've got some some anger issues and i and it's, it's not good for our relationships this is how he came in mm-hmm. and i and i i need to find a way to resolve this right. I'm like awesome okay let's let's go and i mean our conversation in the chair was maybe 2 minutes and then he was on the table, so I try to make people when they're on the table really comfortable. Sometimes I'll put a weighted blanket on because yeah. it just it just adds that it, they have a little anxiousness, yep. just eases them. Remember, I deal with a lot of women, yeah. so I know I'm, I'm sort of like my experience. Ease them in. Yep. Um, once I had him on the table. I usually start at the feet and I work my eyes up the lines of the body. I see energy in two different ways on the physical body. I see it in an, if it's energy, so like emotional energy, it looks like kind of a gray cloud on the body. Uh-huh. And if it's physical, so if it's basically hung onto the body long enough and it, and it's created a physical issue, it looks like orange spikes. So as I'm holding the feet and I'm looking up the body the orange spikes tend to go ping, 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 and they'll kind of highlight where they go. And then I'll, I'll kind of walk my way up the body. Usually, um, you know, it's light touch, obviously not in any sensitive areas. Um, and it's just for me to use my intuitive abilities Uh to sink in a little bit deeper, like to see the story that's happening on the physical body, which, because I'm a, a clairvoyant, which is, it's great. It'll often show me scenes, almost like a movie playing of what's happening on the physical or on the, on the, um, energetic body. Mm -hmm. In this gentleman's case, I moved up. He works a lot. He moves around a lot. He doesn't stop. So it's interesting. I see the same thing with runners, people that are on their feet or, or, you know, stand a lot all day is they have almost looks like orange shreds. In their muscles. Oh, So if you think about a runner who yeah, runs, you're yeah. breaking down the muscle and then it repairs itself.
0: I'm just thinking of all the things uh, you see seen me right
1: now. I just so fun. <laughs> that would be a whole other podcast. Oh my It'd God, be fun. I know. But um, yeah, so idea, h- his legs looked a little bit like, uh, you know, orange shredding. So I just said, you know, you have some muscle repair happening in your legs. Um, things that I don't typically say, but I did to him, he had immediately, I could see it in his. In his blood, and I realize it might sound weird saying it, but even your blood says things to me. sounding weird to a lot of people. I know. I'm I'm sure. I'm just (laughs) gonna. I don't mean that. So no, (laughs) I get it. It might sound yeah, just different. But his his, I could see it in his blood. And sometimes when I see things in the blood, it's usually Lyme's disease, um, HIV or AIDS. um, You know when, when it's coming to the point where it's really significant Um, I can see that sometimes in the body um or maybe
0: Hashimoto's like an autoimmune
1: right yes if it's in the blood it it comes up when I'm my hands are on them for him it was really interesting because he was low on iron so it was so significant in the blood I'm like I couldn't even stop myself from saying it I was like and I never advise on any of that stuff I just don't talk about like you need to go see somebody about whatever and I like you, you need, do you eat, not eat meat? Like, are you a vegetarian or a vegan or something? He's like, no, I just don't eat a lot. And like, your body is really, are you tired? Do you feel lethargic? He's like, all the time. I feel like it's just work. And I, you, I feel like you're low on iron. You, your blood says, I don't have enough iron right, in it. Right. He was like, oh, okay. I'm like, you know what? Just take it for what it is. Yeah. You should really see someone or, or, you know, and whether or not you need to take supplements, but your, your blood is saying this. move up the body and get to an area of his of his abdomen and it's it's almost like i get pulled so my body just stop and i'm and i just have to sit there most of the session was me on his abdomen and i pulled up my little rolling chair and i just sat with one hand on his abdomen. And he's I, probably
0: going, what is going on?
1: He he was great, so relaxed. he was so great. Yeah. Like he's just going with it. Like, okay. I don't know what my wife signed me up for, but I'm all in. Right, right. And I'm just sitting there and sitting there. And I'm like, do you get cramping in your stomach? He's like, no. I'm like, okay. Spirit says you do. <laughs> so all of my all of my um I want to say healing guides or helpers come in. And so I hear them at different spaces. Sometimes people will feel their hands Uh of the healers that come in with me. So it's not just one set of hands, it's multiple sets. Sometimes people will feel that. Um, but they're all telling me, no, just stay right where you are. And I'm like, you definitely have some, some inflammation happening in your abdomen, like in your bowels. And he's like, "Oh well, I have um, celiac," and I'm like, "Well, that would explain oh, why yeah. you have the orange flares in your intestines, and why he's iron deficient." And wh- oh, would that explain 100%. the iron deficiency? Yeah. Oh, okay, all iron great. See, Their I have no idea. Like... Oh, I just got this really <laughs> wonderful affirmation from spirit. Yeah, when I <laughs> like...
0: see a guy, if I had a guy, who, guys are never iron deficient. So if there's a man who's iron deficient, you're like, there's something seriously wrong with his gut because he's not absorbing. So yes. Mm boom right there excellent that's amazing
1: yeah so i'm sitting here i'm like okay when you have when you eat things that you shouldn't be eating do you get cramping or pain in your abdomen he's like oh well yeah for sure so i'm like okay so when i ask the question do you ever get pain or cramping in your abdomen he was like, "Oh yes, I thought you just meant right now," and I'm like, "No, because oh. energy is residual. Yeah. It's almost like muscle memory. It stays in the body. Remember, we have to assimilate or move and whatever. So having known, knowing that he has this issue and having it sort of flare up in his body when he eats the things he shouldn't eat, it's it's residual. It's like our thoughts are energy too. Remember, mm-hmm. we talked about at the beginning of our our conversation. Right. So." his constant reminder, like, Oh, I have this and I'm putting energy to it. And what we focus on expands. And it's just, it's all of the things, right? It's all the things. So I kept working on his body and, um, just to get, you know, figure out what's happening energetically before I did the second part of the shamanic healing, which is when I do journey work. Oh, and that's when that. I I sit with a drum, right. Or a rattle. Right. Yep. And we get into a, I remember when you did that, I was like, what, <laughs> is she doing? (laughs) This is really weird. (laughs) I know. I do remember that. (laughs) Yep. So I sit with a drummer rattle and what it does, what the drumming does is it brings our brainwaves to a lower level so we can get to that altered state much more rapidly. For
0: you or the person that you're taking care of? For me.
1: Sometimes the person will, you know, I'll give them a little clue as to where I'm going when I do that journey work because a shaman will journey to three places. And those, one of those three places is called non-ordinary reality. And it's a real place. We're actually traveling somewhere. So the essence of our, our soul or the essence of our energy is traveling to this place. And so when you're doing a shamanic journey for healing, we typically will go to a space called the lower world. In the lower world is where we connect to soul parts or the solar essence of the person that we're healing to bring back pieces to them for wholeness, mm-hmm. to, for, for whole healing. He was fascinating. I couldn't zone in exactly which what I needed to heal because I was getting flashes of all sorts of bits of his life. Yeah, I won't go into the really like heavier stuff, but one was really interesting and it, and I'm probably going to throw your listeners for a loop here, but when we, when we seek for root cause of something and remember that's, the intention that I set when I'm working on anyone Uh is, I'm not there to heal your symptoms, I'm there to heal the root cause. And sometimes we have to do that in layers because there's multiple things that have built up and so we sort of peel things back slowly. So he, his, when I went and did this journey for him, there were a couple of things that came back, but one was really significant and it was the part that needed to be returned. So a soul part, mm-hmm. and this would be called uh, in a soul shamanic retrieval. sense, a soul retrieval. Yep. You got it. You're awesome. You know, you've heard it for me. <laughs> so he was the scene that I saw, he was floating in water and so was his wife and it was old it was really old. It wasn't in this life. It was in a previous lifetime where he was in dark, cold water and his wife drowned and he couldn't save her. Yeah. So oh. it's significant, right? Yes. So I'm like, oh man, the, the part of the, you know, the very human logical part of Jill comes in saying, this guy is going to think I'm totally crazy. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I, so I'm like, you know what, I just, I just go with it. I just have to get. I just give it up and just go with it. So I brought the soul part back, and I you blow it into their head, uh-huh. into their heart, and um, I finished the healing, and had him do a couple of other things. And when you know, I, I kind of gentle, like, "Hey, how's everything going?" Mm-hmm. He's like, "Good." So, you know, it's kind of their emotions are starting to stir, and I'm like, "This is good." I mm-hmm. said, so, "Well, I ha- I have to tell you about the soul part I brought back, and before I started, like." do you have any fear of water or um, dark water in uh-huh. particular or not being able to see? He's like, Oh my gosh, that is so weird that you would ask that. And i like, okay, we well, want to, did you want to explain a little bit? I'm going to tell you why I'm asking right. that because the soul part I brought back has to do with water. Uh-huh. And he says, I don't know what happened. Cause as a kid, I was really great in the water. I loved it. I swam, I did all sorts of aqua sports as I got into my adult life, I can't be in water that's dirty. If I can't see the bottom, I don't like being in boats. I don't want to be in water at all. And I said, okay, well, the sole part I brought back to you was, it was in, from a previous life and I explained just what I told right. you. And he was like, that is totally wild. Like, how would you know? And that's usually the way sessions go. There's mm-hmm. one significant thing. They're like, there would be no way that you would have any like knowing that I had an issue with water. But it's where he asked me a really great question. And he said, why would I why would I have a fear of water as an adult and not as a child?
0: Yeah, I was thinking the same thing.
1: Yeah. And it's because of the energetic awareness. So his awareness when he got married makes his experience in the water relative. Oh, he can see it now. So even like when we first started and I said, you know, every healer has sort of a specific thing because they have, they can energetically, um, align to it. Mm -hmm. It's the same with us. So memories, things can get triggered that aren't even in this current life when we step into something that's happened before, or we can feel a similarity. similarity. So he's, when he got married, is when those things started happening with water because he was so tied to his previous wife and then the fear of loss with his current wife Mm -hmm. and not understanding that it was related to water.
0: That's fascinating. I know. So how, I'm trying to think of this, what my next question was on that. How would one know that they have something from a previous life to heal?
1: It wouldn't necessarily.
0: And does everyone need to do that?
1: No. No. Because that
0: would be overwhelming to try to get everyone to do this type of an experience.
1: Yeah. So, for the most part, most people have things that come up midlife and they're usually cycled back from childhood. Mm-hmm. And I was
0: saying it's a very close parallel to people who have adverse childhood events. Yep. You could have adverse mm-hmm. life events, like Correct. previous life events, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I interrupted you already.
1: No, no, it's okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's really. He wasn't coming in. You think about it, he wasn't coming in to heal any of that. He was coming in because he was having anger issues and couldn't figure out why he was having anger issues.
0: Which I think is fascinating because a lot of people, like, try, like, if you let's say you have anger issues, right? You go to your regular doctor, you say, I'm angry all the time, I'm frustrated, I don't know why. They'll tell you that you have defiant disorder or whatever, whatever disease they're going to tell you have, and they're probably going to put you on a drug right. to quell it more, right? to suppress the anger more. right? And, you know, I think we can obviously see why that's the wrong way to do it. Obviously, if it's to the case where the anger is creating really bad problems and it needs to be quelled, fine, that might be a temporary thing. But, but the, the true healing happens when you identify where, where the anger is coming from. Because mm-hmm. we're not born as angry people. No. No baby is angry when it comes out.
1: No. No, those are all learned it's through learned. life experience. Right, right. Yeah, and then not being able to effectively process grief. Grief is the, it really is the root of a lot of things. And in his case, there were two really big situations that caused grief, which unprocessed grief can directly lead to anger. And I can see that really easily because that's what happened to me when my father died. Uh-huh. I got very, very angry. Yes, I can imagine. But, um, you know, it, there are other things that we can do to mitigate that. I mean, meditation is one of them. I'm a healer that believes in tools and showing people the way, not being the one to say, I'm the only one that can help you with these things. Oh, right, no, right. I want to put that into the hands of everyone that comes to see me. Like, yes. Just like you. they When they go to see a doctor, the doctor is going to give them a prescription. They're going to tell them the steps to help whatever's ailing them yep. and then do a follow-up.
0: Right. Right. Well, so, so tell us about that. I just, you mentioned the meditation thing. Cause another thing I experienced with you and what you do with your work is your meditations. Mm-hmm. So years ago you started doing live broadcasted meditations on an almost daily basis at five thirty in the morning. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and we would have to log into this app and she would, she would go live and she'd be sitting there on video in your bedroom. I think it was right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and you'd go into a meditative state and mm-hmm. basically bring us through a journey. Correct. With a period, and then usually a period of silence as well mm-hmm. in the middle of it. Yep. So tell us about that. Why did you start doing that? Because that—that was. I have journals full of stuff from those meditations. Journals. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I, visions and stuff. That's amazing. It's amazing. Super powerful experience. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: I actually, um, I started meditating on Periscope, which used to be attached to Twitter right. when I first launched. It was the first live streaming platform. Is, is it around anymore? It's not. Okay. Periscope ended in 2020, March, 2020. Okay. Um, but I, I had moved over to recording audio meditations at that point on my podcast. Right. I started meditating because, I was told to do it. I was just going to say, were you told to do it? Yeah, I was told. I had a really clear directive from from my uh, spiritual guidance, which is the unseen, um, basically said, you will be doing this. And I thought I was crazy. I think there's no one that's going to watch me, first of all. Mm -hmm. No one is going to listen to this. Uh And they're like, we don't care. We don't care. We want you to sit in front of your camera and push the little red button and you will meditate every day. And I did. So every single day for one year, I was on camera channeling meditations. Yes. So I would go into an altered state uh-huh. and I would just, I would channel. I'd bring people on these guided, guided trips.
0: And you never knew what it was going to be.
1: Never. I don't you... have, I never, I still don't. There none of them are scripted. None. I don't know what I'm going to guide people on at any, any moment, even now in the studio. I don't know.
0: And, um, at your, Beginning, how many people would be watching you for the first couple months? Mm,
1: well, for the first, I would say for the first month, I maybe had mm, 50 people.
0: Okay. And then at your max before you left Periscope and went to your audio podcasts,
1: 60,000.
0: How many? 60,000. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And now you have some on Insight Timer. Right?
1: Yeah, I have meditations on Insight Timer, and then a podcast. podcast. I mean, you could just put in my name, and all these things would pop up. Yep. I'm my podcast is everywhere on every platform. And how
0: many, down, you have like, how many I downloads? I have now? almost seven hundred thousand
1: downloads yeah. of my podcast. Right. So yeah. I mean, it's
0: just absolutely incredible. It's incredible. Um, and then. So you're so you're still. How often are you recording meditations now? So So now meditation.
1: Yeah, um, now I record and put that up uh, weekly. Okay. So I I moved away from doing daily. Oh gosh, probably two years ago, and I still have people who're like, "It'd be really great if you did this daily." I know. I just only one person.
0: People dependent on you.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, Lynn. I can't. It's the most humbling thing putting that tool in front of people so that they can connect without being in person with me and see the things that they need to see for themselves to heal is so incredibly humbling. I mean, I have, I could show I could pull up my phone and show you a message I got yesterday from this woman who's, I mean, it's, I don't want, I'll get emotional about it. It's amazing. What did she say? Oh God. You want me to read it? Yeah, yeah, I do. Of course (laughs) I do. It sounds awesome. These, I mean, every it's, so anytime that I get, Anytime that I get like, oh, I can't, this work is so heavy, I can't do this anymore. I don't know if I can do this yeah. anymore. I I will almost always get one of these messages.
0: Oh, I know. I'm like hundred oh. percent. I am right there with you on that one. Why? Yes. <laughs> yep.
1: But um, I'll say when spirit tells me to go do something, I I just have to go and do it. I don't really, I feel like I don't I always have choice and an option, but well, I never guided into a space where I shouldn't be doing. No.
0: Right. So you have the choice and the option. Have you ever chosen to follow a path that was more like ego based or financially driven, even though you've, did that ever happen to you? No. No. Okay. Because I mean, people will look at what you did for that year on Periscope and you gave up hundreds of hours of your time yes. and invested in your own equipment, Yes. took away from your family Yes. and there was no financial incentive in it for you.
1: Correct. But there, but there really there was, is, obviously, there, there some is. Point in time. So I, I truly believe that there's always an energetic exchange mm-hmm. and what you put out into the world will always come back mm-hmm. to you. I, I truly believe it. And I really had to believe it and like put it to the test when I did Periscope. Periscope launched me into uh, a practice. It launched me into teaching. Mm-hmm. So I launched a virtual eight-week course. I'm still running that. That I was going
0: to say that was another thing I was going to bring up.
1: Doing it for six years, I have students all over the world. I have some studio. I have a studio now, so it launched me into having not only a private office but a meditation studio Mm -hmm. where I can have people and students in person with me, which is amazing. Amazing. I know you're getting. I'm I'm opening that message so that we can read it. I want to hear it. Um, It says so. Originally, um, originally, this woman had reached out to me in 2020. Mm-hmm. Now, in 2020, when the pandemic hit, my meditation numbers went crazy. And it was so, it's like, oh, this is wonderful. I'm getting exposure. And then I'm like, this is incredibly sad what the world is going through right now, that they, yeah. they're seeking this for comfort yeah. and needing it. But the other side of it is they're creating such awareness for themselves. I had a woman who found me in in May of 20, or not May, in, in, in August of 2020. She was from this area, actually. There's all these crazy synchronicities. She lives in Mexico, found me, was med- she had lost both of her sons, was dealing with major grief, meditated with me every single day. Finally, she didn't want to look me up because she didn't want to, like, ruin the... <laughs> idea right. like they hear my voice and then she's like wonders what I look like and where I live and what I do and she goes so I finally took the leap and I looked you up and when you know you're from my hometown oh my in Wisconsin she's like I just felt like it was meant to be That's crazy Meant to be yeah so I'm hoping I get to meet her this yes, year yes. cuz she's coming back in August Oh nice I know so these are just examples so this woman's in Tennessee um, hello in Tennessee. Thank you for all your beautiful meditations. This is May of 2020. We're going through a tough time my, in my house. My husband is going through treatments for stage four. Glass, um, I'm not going to. Thank you. <laughs> on top of all this, I'm struggling with how to deal with being a caregiver and the only positive light in the house right oh. now. I'm working on trying to connect with my own guardian angels. Um, but maybe going at it wrong. Do you provide reading remotely? Do you know where I could find reputable person? And that's all I need. Thank you for all you do. And then I, I responded to her. Um, and then she went on to tell me about her meditation. So I'm going to fast forward because she sent me a message on Monday and it said, hi, Jill. Oh, this stuff makes me cry. Yeah. You're going to have to read it. Cause I'll Are cry. You yeah, I'll okay. cry. I don't want to cry on Recording. <gasps>
0: okay. Hi, Jill. Thank you for always blessing me with your beautiful meditations. I was wondering if you have any advice. My husband has... Oh, that's the one. That's the really one, right? Oh, wait. No. Um, my husband has been battling cancer for the last two years. We started hospice at home a few weeks ago. He's stable, but I know his time is limited. Are there any crystals and or smudging I could do to help him? His cancer is in the brain, so he forgets how sick he is. He does know there is nothing else we can do. I know deep down he has to be scared. That's where the confusion is a blessing, though. He's never really been spiritual, but we've talked about how he will see me again. Any advice you might have would be amazing. I did your beach meditation this a.m. Me and Michelle just sat and held hands.
1: Yeah. So it's, I read this message and I was sitting in my workspace and I just sat with it and like, she's asking me. Like who am I to be doing this? But I, she wouldn't have even connected with me had I not sat in front of a camera right. seven years ago and pushed the record button and said, "Okay, fine, spirit, I will channel these meditations." But it brings her comfort and healing on a different level. Yep. I met someone in um, in February when I was on spring break. She sat and listened to meditations with her dying mother in a in a hospital room for months and then again with her father who who suffered a heart attack and the nurses that came in and they would just play me every day listening to my meditations and I was in Florida uh on spring break with my family and I got this really strong like feeling about her and I thought oh her name's Allison I know she won't mind me saying and I thought oh my gosh well Allison I know she lives in Florida but she's not anywhere near here she's down in Tampa Bay right. and I just kept feeling it. And I, Oh, I'll message her later (laughs) and just let her know like, Hey, I'm in Florida. Right. You know,
0: (laughs) I'm in your state.
1: Yeah. And she actually reached out to me on Instagram and said, are you in Florida? Come on. I'm not even kidding. And I said, yeah. And she goes, I'm I was in, um, oh gosh, what's the place called? Destin. I was in okay, Destin, great. Florida. Oh, yeah, she goes, I, I live here now. I live in Destin. Come on. Yeah. So I got to meet her in person for the first time. And it's just the ripple. The, the ripple of what I do and yeah. and how it touches people is extremely um, humbling.
0: So do you... Um, I probably I rambled on easy. that. No, no, it was, it was awesome. I know it wasn't easy for you to push that record button at first. No. Like how did you... How did you do it? Because I think I struggle with this all the time. I'm listening. To, I've been listening to podcasts about it too, about like like accepting your calling, yeah, whatever it is, yeah, and then waking up in the morning and saying, "Hey, God or whoever it is you're talking to, yeah, um, let me do what you want me to do." But how do you go from that to then doing it?
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and I
0: know what you mean. But how did you work through that? Those barriers and the blocks and the walls. And your little voice in your head saying, don't do it. Don't do it. They're going to make fun of you. You're going to look funny on camera. They're going to think you're weird. How did you do that?
1: Yeah. Oh gosh. It's layers of so many things, but um, ultimately. Because I
0: think a lot of people are struggling with that.
1: Yeah. It. I'm going to go back to when I was in college, I studied to become a singer and I would have to, uh, an opera singer. So I would have to stand at the crook of this piano in front of all these people. And it was all the time. So all of your exams and things are juries, what they're called, right. they, you're, they're performing. You have to perform. And I was going to school to be a performer even though I was nervous as hell to do it. Right. But I thought I had a, a good voice and I loved yes. singing opera. Good and good essentially, voice. thank you. And yeah. then jazz, I, I went on to perform jazz performance. I would tell myself, I basically have a mantra for myself that would say, everyone in front of you is hoping and looking forward to you succeeding. Right. No one is watching you to fail. Right. And I still say it to this day, everyone wants you to succeed. They want to hear what you have to say. They want to see you and they want to see you succeeding. The people that don't That's their own own stuff,
0: right? It's their own issue. It's
1: their own issue. It doesn't have anything to do with you. Yeah.
0: It's just like when people troll on social media. Yeah. Like, I feel like you are really good with that because you've dealt with for so long, but it took me a while to understand that when people say those snarky things, you just have to feel, you have to give them love and be like, Hey, I'm, you're struggling.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Give them love. I Um, tend to also come from a place of curiosity just like I did when I started doing psychopomp work, like, I'm so curious why you wanna say those things. Why are you
0: so mean?
1: Like, what what are you getting <laughs> yes, out of it? Totally, right. What's it helping in you? And right. then just turn the healer on.
0: Yes. And I'm like, let's talk. Let's figure this out. Let's figure it out. Oh, I love that. Actually, and I think the whole performing thing, I like, um, I did a lot of performing in high school. So mm-hmm. I was in all, I was like the, the swing choir and in a band and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I look now today at my life. And I use those skills all the time. Awesome. And I think that they yeah. happen for a reason. I wasn't meant to be a singer. I, I thought for a while I was going to be in a rock band for a while. Awesome. But that's not what I was meant to be, but I was meant to develop those skills so that now in life I'd feel comfortable on the camera. i feel comfortable making videos because that's how I get someone message across. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sure you, same thing, right? You, same. Yeah. Times 100. Same. Yeah.
1: But it's it's hard when you have to do something that feels like it's against the grain and yes. you, you have to, you're, you're pushing something out and what you're, what you're creating hasn't necessarily been created in the way that you're creating it. Right. And, um, to stay authentic to that and not, you know, it's, it can be a challenge yeah. because you, you know, our ego is always present. And you ask me a question, like, do you ever get, does ego or does finance, Does it ever drive you and and get out of, you know, push you into a different direction? Mm -hmm. And I I can clearly say no, because the numbers are nice. You asked me about my numbers. The numbers are nice. Overall, I've had... I've had more than a million streams on my videos for meditation Mm -hmm. before I cut over to doing audio. Mm -hmm. I have so many people that picked up the RRS feed. I don't even know my actual number. I know an estimate. I know a number that's based on where I house my podcast and maybe eight platforms beyond that. I have no idea. But if I allowed that to be the focus of my, of what I do, then what I would be doing would be shifting what spirit is telling me to bring to people to what I think people need based yes, on numbers I love it. and then it's not authentic. No. And then it shifts me out of purpose. Yes. So no, and I, I think, don't.
0: Yeah. you just said a big mouthful there. So I don't know, I know. if people really follow that and understand it, but, um, I want to kind of like try to restate it. So sure. basically, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have a choice when you do things in life that you're following what you're feel is the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. or what you think is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Or what you think people are telling you is the right thing to do. Right. And when you choose to follow the latter path, it's probably not going to turn out as well. Right. Does that make sense? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. But when you follow that intuitive, that path where you're like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then your mind is like, but don't do it. You're going to suck at it. You're going to fail. You're going to look weird. And then you just don't do it. It's going to be not the best result.
1: Yeah. So here's a tool for people that are more science minded. And when they are listening, they're like, oh my gosh, she's doing all this woo woo stuff. Right, right. Um, your body can knows the resonance of truth and your body knows the resonance of lies or non-truths. I love that. So what I tell people is when you're sitting with something that's like a decision or when you're sitting with something someone's told you, if you if you measure truth by saying your name, like, hi, my name is Jill. Yep. I do XYZ. Yeah. To my my body like, oh yeah, it's the totally truth. Yeah. If I said, My name is Rebecca, <sighs> feels like I'm already feeling the resonance of falseness yeah. or lie or non-truth yeah. in my body. So if I were to even say, like, my name is Jill, and I'm a shamanic practitioner and meditation coach and teacher in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh-huh. That's truth. If I were to say, my name is Rebecca Finley, and I'm an MD, I'm I'm already like, it feels, I can't even say it, because it feels icky in my body. The same thing if someone were to say, Lynn, you should go do this. And you're thinking about like, oh, that might be a good idea. Okay. What's the motivation behind that? Because everything people tell us to do comes from their energy and their experiences. So they're going to tell you and show you something that resonates with them, but doesn't necessarily resonate with you, mm-hmm. even though it might be a great idea. Right. So to sit with it in your own body and say it out loud or write it down. And what I tell students sometimes even is just say it over and over like a mantra. Yeah. And then how does it feel? And does it morph into something else? There's your truth.
0: Yeah. And I would add to that, that a lot of people aren't in a physical spot where they can feel resonance yet. and mm-hmm. understand it because mm-hmm. a lot of people in, and I've been in that state where I'm just so caffeinated and in sympathetic mode and you know what I mean? Yeah. I've been there and I go there still. So getting to that spot where you can feel the resonance means you need to, you need to be present. Like mm-hmm. I, you, I, like you, for you, it's natural. You're there. You, like you have done it so much. that it's like, oh, I know what that feels like. But I yeah. think for a lot of people, they have, they're either, they're over-caffeinated or they're drinking or they're blocked in some way. So, so
1: how do they reset their parasympathetic nervous system? Yeah. So,
0: I mean, I would say like, um, first it might be a hard step for someone to go right into feeling their resonance. Sure. I think the first step might be, um, I don't know if it's awareness or I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what the right answer is, but I think. I guess the take home point would be, first of all, if you can understand what she's saying about resonance and that makes sense to you, then do that. Great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Start there. Yeah. If you this whole talk about energy and resonance and feeling your vibration, I don't think we've said the word vibration yet, but that's kind of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't make any sense to you, then I would say as a doctor, I would tell my patient, okay, start to stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system, go out in nature, start to meditate, journal, mm-hmm. do art, mm-hmm. Do creative work. Just sit and be, don't always be do-do-doing and just start with that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think it just kind of depends where you're oh, coming from.
1: Yeah, for sure. So you if you're that. like very type A and you're go, go, go all the time yes. and you're just always running and you don't sit at all. Right. Sitting is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, finding a way to take small moments, breathing.
0: Reflecting on a flower.
1: Yeah, uh, just anything, right? just or something custom. that takes your focus yes. and that you can sit with it. And yes, that's a good way to start.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, cause that's, that's coming from someone who's a healing type A mm. in progress, always kind of girl. Um, and I, so this is definitely, this is the longest podcast I've ever done in this series. I'm so sorry. So, <laughs> no, I'm so excited about it. And I didn't even get through 10% of my questions. Oh. So the first question I have for you is, will you come back again?
1: Yeah. And I would love to. Okay.
0: And then the second question, I think there's there's one more thing I want to ask you because I think um, I think this is important. So when people are trying to tap into that inner self, into that resonance, high vibe state, there's a lot of talk about using substances, psilocybin, mm-hmm. mushrooms, ketamine mm-hmm. therapy, mm-hmm. Um, tools like that. Or I think some people, if you look at a lot of creative artists, they'll use substances like drugs or alcohol. Yeah. What are your thoughts on those things? I know it's going to be different based on each substance, but yeah. What are your thoughts on that stuff?
1: I don't think it's necessary.
0: I agree. Okay, good. I was hoping you'd say that. I just didn't know.
1: No, hundred percent. I don't, it's not necessary. You can get there through shamanic journey the same as you would get through ayahuasca or peyote yeah. or, or LSD or d- marijuana, even yeah. you, um, it's harder. It's hard. It's harder. It takes practice. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the thing. People want the quick fix. People want the quick fix. But, sorry, you're in your yeah. table. But it, there isn't a... Enjoy life. Yeah. Enjoy the energy that life brings you. Yep. If you have to use a substance to subdue, and then you're treating a symptom, and you're not addressing the energy that's moving through your body, or trying to move through your body, and you're, you're, you're doing the quick and easy fix. We do it with food. We do it with substance. We do it with moving around because we don't want to be in a place, right. you know, it, yeah. So no, my answer would be no, hundred okay. percent.
0: Cool. I like yeah. the answer. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, for any of my, I have patients who I do refer to ketamine therapies because I think some people are, they're, they're, that, that ego mind and that conscious mind is so strong that sometimes giving them those couple of times where they disassociate from it can be their leap into being able to do, meditation and journey work. Like that. So I'm not saying sure. it's completely wrong, but sure. I think a lot of people, a lot of us go for that quick fix. And then we want, like I have a lot of people who are like, Hey, I want to go to California, Oregon, and do these mushroom experimental things. And I, my thoughts are, well, I don't, I don't think you need to do that. I don't think you need to drug your mind to release it. No, but it's It's harder not to do that. But I would say if you can try try the more natural route do the meditations so where can people find you what's the easiest way for them to find you for all these things that you do that we talked oh, about oh
1: probably my website
0: what is which is
1: findyourkey.org
0: yeah i have i always mess up and do findyourkey.com so find f i n d y o u r k i .org yes and then she has everything on there like her studio her meditation workshops access to where you can find her other meditations and downloads and like mm-hmm. I said i've done i've done almost all of it i've never taken one of your full meditation classes i think I did it but I was I'm always terrible at taking classes.
1: A lot of people are, have a hard time doing that deep personal work in person. Yeah. With, like in a class setting. Yeah, yeah. yeah so
0: I, I definitely do. So, but I've, I've tried a lot of her things and had just amazing results with it. So I definitely encourage you to do that. So thank you. Looking forward to our next one. Yeah. As always, I love seeing you. It's so fun.
1: I love seeing you too.
0: And we will talk
1: soon. Awesome. Thanks, Lynn.